Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Curtis, it is a Thursday night. How you doing, brother? Brother, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just see your Lakers uh, wrapping up a win here tonight over the Bucks. Yes, sir. Yes, hope, sir. Hope you laid your money in FanDuel. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you can uh, – Virginia Sportsbook is open, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like all options are open. Seeing people post on Twitter tonight some random – oh, first person to score in this game. Oh, this person's going to score 10 points by the sixth minute of the game. Like, what was so, the, what was the uh, promotion when LeBron James plus one point? LeBron James or the Greek freak yeah. were plus one points. They were getting two to one odds. Bet fifty to win. Bet fifty to win a hundred. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> clearly that that was the old. They're hooking it out there because everybody knew they were going to win that one. Started betting on everything else. Yeah, they were like, we're going to get you guys, uh, you know, sunk in for at least some coin in this uh, in this account. And our hopes are that you're going to keep spending money and we'll, we'll get ours on the back end. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's cool to have it. You know, it took long enough. It's one of those things, like anything that gets passed as a law, it just takes forever versus just like, just let them open it. But obviously, you know. Like, like the marijuana bill that's going to not go into place until 2023. <laughs> I mean, I've got no problem if you don't like, you know, if we don't have like a shop on the corner in four months, but you can at least legalize the carrying of small amounts of marijuana and, and, and use of it in the, in the short term. Right. Yeah, sure. Let's be, let's be smart here. Let's not overthink this. Yeah. But All they, the laws are in place to, to manage it. Just port everything you have for alcohol into the marijuana side of things and call it a damn day. There you go. <laughs> But, yeah, it's good to have. I have not signed up yet, um, and I probably won't. Maybe I, I, I know we'll have, I'll have friends and family. You, you, got, you got a baby coming around, man. You don't you don't need that that in your life right now. I don't need that in my life. You got enough and, coin that you're about to drop on stuff. You don't need to chance chance the uh, exactly. the, the, the money running away on the, uh, the sports book there. Yeah, exactly, because it would be like right now as we're recording, having a few drinks, watching basketball. You know, I think Curry's going to get hot tonight. Let me put a $30 bet on this. $30 gone. Shit. So for me, I guess as as COVID slowly starts to wind down with the vaccine going out um, and stuff like that, if you have it or friends have it, I'll just be like, hey, put 10 on that. <laughs> Why are you doing it with cash? Because that's all I've got. If I only give you this and I lose, I'm okay. I don't keep spending, keep making <laughs> stupid also, bets. my wife don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely tell you if honey, I Honey, what's FanDuel for $150? <laughs> nothing, honey, nothing, nothing. <laughs> well, folks, we've got a lot to get to tonight. Um, what this episode primarily is on the back end is going to be us going through um, some of the class of 2021. Obviously, early signing period was... In December and two weeks from now, essentially, signing period will be over. That's when we'll be coming back and filling out the remaining of the class. But we've got a lot of news to get to since the last time we talked, which was back on national championship. 
And the biggest just came down today. Um, reports by Jessina Anderson are coming out that Daryl Tapp is being pursued by the San Francisco 49ers for an assistant defensive line role. Brian, I'm going I'm to get – I have more coin in this. I'm going to let you get your feelings first, and then I'm going to come back. Man, this sucks, and it sucks for reasons that are mostly uh, not on the field. I, I feel like on the field, Tap is a good asset, but we don't know his ceiling yet, and we feel like at this point, Tier Link is the, the bigger player on that front. But in terms of everything we're trying to get better at off the field, he was, if not the guy, one of the more important guys in that role, whether it's, you know, former player alumni relations with the team, whether it's recruiting in state of particular, the seven, five, seven. I mean, this was the guy that was supposed to clean up some of the things that we have struggled with mightily the last decade, if not the last five years. And now it's potential that he's going to be taking an NFL role probably not making much more than he's making with us and having the same role on the team as he has with us. So that's a little bit of a, of a kick in the teeth. And I, I mean, I'm going to say it, this is directly a result of not getting rid of Fuente and having a more or less lame duck coach where a guy like tap that's up and coming, that's trying to keep a job. If someone comes calling, that's that's he's going to take that call at this point because he doesn't know if next year is guaranteed. Absolutely. That is the biggest piece is you have a lame duck coach that should have been fired the Monday after UVA, and he wasn't. And for Daryl's sake, does Daryl need money? No. Daryl made near near $20 million in his NFL career. And us meeting Daryl, you're having a quick conversation with him. I have a feeling Daryl invested his money really wisely. He's probably doubled or tripled what he made in the NFL, so he's not hurting for that. But clearly, Daryl Tapp loves football. And and he loves Virginia Tech, but it's that piece you just made. If he feels Justin Fuente is a lame duck, and if a mediocre to below mediocre season gets him fired, he's sitting without a job and having to scramble. Now, if you ask me if I wanted him in the Bay or the Bird, because I'm a 49ers fan, I want him in the Bird. But if he goes to the Bay, why wouldn't he? Chris Kasurik, our defensive line coach, was his defensive line coach in Detroit. Brian, you know the name Chris Kasurik. Chris Kasurik is a godfather of the wide nine D-line. That dude knows what he's doing. He's coached for 12 years. There's been regimes where everybody gets fired but Chris Kasurik because his unit performed. D'Amico Ryan's our new defensive coordinator. He played with Daryl in Philly for a season relationship. Kyle Shanahan was the OC when Daryl was in the Redskins. It's one of those things. He has all these connections there. And then they get to tell him, you get to coach Joey Bosa. You get to coach Javon Kinlaw. You get to coach Solomon Thomas. You get to coach this really uh, Kentavious Street, our you know handball boy. You get to coach this really good defensive line that was battered and bruised and still excelled. You come here regardless of what happens. You've got a job next year. 
And you're probably going to build your resume good enough to where you can get your own defensive line job, whether collegiately or in the pros. It sucks to your point that the guy who was going to build some inroads is in all likelihood gone. If something changes in the next, you know, 24 hours, which I, I can't see it happening. Um, a, we're down a coach. Yep. You're down a huge personality. And you know what? I, I get this eerie feeling that the powers that be are going to say, you, you don't get an extra coach this year. So we're going to be coaching shorthanded. Which is kind of bullshit because Jack's contract is not near – uh, what they were paying for Tracy Clays, who we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. And uh, that, that whole story. But also, obviously, we were paying Daryl some money here. So we're saying, you know, you're going to essentially get, what, a couple hundred thousand back on Clays deal and another almost 200 on on Taps deal, and you're not going to bring anyone else in to, to shore some of that up. Um. Yeah, I mean that's 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 going to be interesting. So since we're there, let's go ahead and talk about it, man. Tracy Clay's retired. Jesus stepped he, down. He he took he took what we said personally, and we, we he he left the coaching business. He ran him off. Yeah. <laughs> he did not like his F plus, and he just t- took his ball and went home. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I think with Tracy and a lot, of, and, you know, and of course jokes are going to be made, but I think in reality for the first time in probably about what, 15 years, he was a positional coach. No, I do not think he was on an Island somewhere <laughs> for those who were tweeting that out last week. But Casey had been coaching since about 1993. He'd coached close to 20, over 25 years. He's got his money, especially you hold a defensive coordinator job for a decade what they're paying, even what they were paying 10 to 15 years ago, again, invest wisely, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, But I think getting that, that grind and probably the COVID year probably didn't help him. It probably brought him even more down. It hurt him because he didn't have a spring to really feel out the position. Yep. And get his feet back under him in terms of how, how to coach the position and also have the time to put in with those guys. And I feel like that hurt. Um, but I think also it was just in terms, like maybe a, just a bad fit with what yeah. Ham was trying to do and what I think was envisioned for what his role would be coming into the defense. And then what reality actually was, I feel like Clay's was kind of like a, a backstop and a guy that Jay Ham could throw ideas off of and things like that. Yep. And I think some of the other guys on the staff ended up being that for Jay Ham and not Tracy. And then Tracy was number one coaching a position that was really kind of out of his comfort zone to begin with. And his expertise was much less value than we anticipated it was going to be. Absolutely. But saying that he goes now, some people feel like it was an apathetic move. I think it was the right move. Jack Tyler's been coaching, I think, since 2015. Essentially, not long after he graduated, he started coaching. Yeah. Um, maybe if we had hired Jack Tyler last year, we could have got Barry Odom or something in. I don't know, you know. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you know, he coached it for a couple games anyway and was calling yeah. plays one game. I mean – 
So, I mean, this isn't a guy that's coming in as green as people are making it out to be. And, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, I mean, anyone saying it's a bad move, I disagree with, but I mean, I'm not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not a flashy move. It's not something that gets you super excited, but it is a solid move. I think it's, you know, at, at worst neutral, um, from my perspective, um, I like Jack. I think Jack does a good job with the guys. I think they, he's young enough where he gets them energized and get them going. So I like that part of it. And I'm hoping that, you know, with, with some of the experience he's had as kind of, kind of being the number two guy in that role and getting, you know, brought along by Bud Foster initially, which nobody's talking about as much as they should. Um, you know, I I think that's going to be a good thing for us long-term. I think there's one other thing too, why you like Jack in this role. Jack, when he played Mike, Jack's not the most, you know, athletic. He's not 6'4", you know, 230. He's not super fast. But the reason he was so good is he understood how to play the position. Now, I hope he can take that understanding and teach. Because as much as we knocked Dax Hollyfield, Dax a perfectly built Mike Linebacker. He's 6'2", he's 230 pounds. Tisdale's needs to gain the weight, but athletically playing that playing that weak side linebacker of backer, he they both have skills Jack never had. If he can take what's in his mind, get it in their minds, and get the mind and the feet and the body to work as one, yeah, that's what I have hope for with Jack Tyler because I think he can do that. Um, now what I again what I what I worry with Jack is again if this is a lamed up coach situation in a new in a in if you know we have a bad season and Fuente gets fired, Jack's probably gonna Jack's gonna have to start back significantly lower. And it sucks for him if that happens. Um Brian, Brock re- returns. Huh? Yes. I thought we we had already established that, but apparently we needed an announcement for it, which is fine. Um, oh, fine or fine. It's like one of those, okay, well, if you insist type situations, like I, I get it's good for his brand and what his future is. But from a fan perspective, anytime that we see I'm making an announcement and you're a upperclassman, you you kind of get a little uh little, little antsy there, whether it's transfer portal or whether it's uh I, I didn't think it would be transfer portal regardless, but you know he, yeah. he has been at least uh, putting feelers out there for a shot at the NFL, so yeah. there was always that option. But pretty much everyone knew that Brock was coming back, especially you know after the uh, two what three week <laughs> hiatus before this even got on everyone's radar. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that 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 was not shocking. The uh the the piece that was, I wouldn't say shocking, but I was definitely a little little disappointed to see it, just because I like him and I wanted to see him come back for one more year. Austin Cannon yeah. announced that he is uh he's hanging up the cleats, ladies and gentlemen. He is uh he is no longer a football player. Yeah. Um, for Austin, the stuff that he went through early on in his career, 
Um, if you've never read about, you know, essentially he had suicidal tendencies and he and he fought through that. And then he busted his ass and earned a scholarship. And then he busted his ass even more and cracked the two deep and was essentially very important part of the offensive line for the last couple of years. Yeah, heavy rotational guy both last year and this year. Um, and, and just, again, I was looking forward to 52 coming back, if you all know me. Uh, 52 is my number. So, uh, always had a, had, had some love for Austin Cannon there and, uh, you know, good for him for making that decision well, you're gonna um, to going forward. Out. And hopefully he'll, uh, what's that? You have to be on the lookout for him. He's from, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for some Austin Cannon sightings around, uh, the greater Mechanicsville area here, but, uh, you know, good for him and, uh, best of luck to him in his future. But where it does suck with that is now depth. the depth. depth. We, we no longer have a proven interior guy to step in there. Yeah. We, we a few weeks ago we felt okay because we like Brock's going to be back. If Brock needs to, he could play tackle. Austin could slip in. But now we're, we, we've got five. We've got we've got Silas. We got Tanuda. We've got Johnny. We got Brock. We got Leticus. Anybody goes down, your next man up is looking like Caden Moore on the inside and probably Hanson on the outside who have little to no experience. Yep. So Hanson's your swing guy that could probably play guard or tackle in a pinch. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see. He's, he's going to be relied on heavily because pretty much any, anybody that goes down that's not a center, he's coming in, I would, I would imagine. Um, and mm-hmm. unless some other guys are have come along a little bit more um, than we anticipated here, between um, you know learning in this this past season on the scout team and things like that, and whatever they pick up in the spring. Yeah. All right. The next thing I want to hit, Brian, is it's one that I have a love slash hate. Okay. Texas A&M transfer Connor Bullenrick. All right. Yep. Can I tell you what I love? Tell me what you love, man. Well, A, he's 6'5", he's about 220. He's played multiple positions. Looks like he was a pretty big part of their special teams because he did a little bit of everything. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I hate to say this, it's almost like a Taysom Hill type thing they were doing down in New Orleans. Taysom Hill. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you Ryan what? I, Tannehill before him. <laughs> can I tell you what I hate? Yep. He's our fucking backup quarterback. <laughs> Like, Correct. Oh, I mean, so or, much like the Saints that decided not to play Jameis Winston in the season and instead roll Taysom Hill out there in some sort of quasi Tim Tebow offense. Um, that's what we're going to probably look like should uh, the worst case scenario happen in our, uh, our, our our first string quarterback Braxton Burmeister get an injury which happened a couple times this past season. So it's not something that is outside the realm of possibility. Yep. So unless Knox Cato came in during the Clemson game and played probably the best he could play, or unless Taj Bullock comes in, you know, he's got the build. But, man, I, can I just say this straight up? I don't want them to play Taj Bullock because I know what Corn would do to him. He's going to need seasoning, man. He's, I mean, even under good scenario, he would need a little bit of seasoning. Yeah. 
Um, and that's no knock on Bullock. I think he has a very good arm, but I think both in terms of reads and in terms of kind of those intermediate routes and decision-making, I think he's still not quite there yet. And we're going to need a little bit of seasoning before we're ready to roll him out there against ACC defenses. True. All right. Um, one more that was in the portal that landed somewhere. Uh, local guy here to us in the RVA area, T.A. Jackson, who's out of Cumberland County, um, so just to the west of us here, uh, landed in Ohio. Um, I think that's a good spot for him. I think that's a chance where T.J.'s probably going to get a chance to compete for a starting spot. Um, I think Frank Solich is still out there in Ohio. Really, I feel like since Solich got there about 13, 14 years ago, they're always a good team. They've won the Mac. Always solid. Never great. Always solid. Won the Mac a couple times. Had some good years. Um, best of luck to TJ. I think it gives him the best um, opportunity to play. Although now after everything that's happened here, TJ, please come back. <laughs> All right, Brian. Rant time. Here we go. Fumbling out of the end zone and the defense getting the ball is bullshit. <laughs> Elaborate. All right. So if anybody <laughs> did not see Sunday, Cleveland driving, getting ready to score a touchdown. Higgins gets the ball. He's going for it. The linebacker from Kansas city lays essentially a illegal hit to him. He fumbles the ball. In the end zone, it takes a couple perfect bounces out. The defense got rewarded for an illegal hit and doing nothing. That rule has got to fucking change. I am with you 1,000%. I'm going to go a step further. I I, I threw it on the Twitter timeline uh, earlier tonight. Do you know what is not even as bad of a punishment for an offense as this rule was that a fucking safety <laughs> getting knocked into your own end zone is less. It gets punished less than this penalty because you get two points and you give the ball away, right? Yeah. You give up you're in field goal range <laughs> in this case. So you're giving away three points at least, and you're giving them the ball at the 20. <laughs> so a safety is less punishment than fumbling the ball as you're going in to score. It, it, it makes sense. <laughs> now, we have our own variety here of what should happen. I'm going to go with mine first because mine's a little different than yours. Mine is if you were to fumble the ball out of the end zone, no one recovers. I think you take it back to the line of scrimmage, loss of down, go the next down. Um, Because in some way, unless you just let it go, the defense did do something. So if you were at the 40 and they did something, I don't think you should be at a game by making a mistake. But I don't think you should get the ultimate sacrifice of, oh, the other team gets the ball, even though they did little to nothing to you know, get it. Yours is different, though. Yes. Um, I am going to essentially throw an olive branch to whoever the fuck out there actually likes this rule. And I'll say, okay, well, 
you say there's too many rules out there that favor the offense. We need something that actually hurts the offense here. Okay, fine. If you fumble the ball into the end zone and it goes out of bounds, you lose your down, and you also have to spot the ball at, let's say, let's say the 15 or the 20-yard line. Uh, something that still makes the offense have to earn the next play that they're not set up for, like, you know, where they can run the ball up the gut for a touchdown or something like that just to take advantage of, of the, the previous play. So I think that would give a little bit of equity there without being like, oh, well, you fumbled. You got to give them the ball now. The fuck? <laughs> like, they did nothing. They didn't even recover it. It just went out of the end zone. So we hate that rule. Um, although, you know, certain coaches teach not to extend the ball when you get down there. Belichick's the most noted. Clearly, our coaching staff teaches that as well. See Clemson. Yeah. Uh, Blackshear running shoulder first into the line there. Like, yeah, because uh, two weeks earlier, they benched a guy for re- extending the ball and losing it. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to our primary topics of the day, folks. We're going to take a look at some of the 2021 recruiting class. Tonight, we're going to be looking at all of the early enrollees, along with a few of the other selected guys. A couple weeks from now, just in case we add any additional players, um, you know, we're going to hit the rest of them. Now, Top end, I want to just go ahead and hit this. Currently, we are the 43rd ranked class in the country. It is up from last year. 10th in the ACC. Um, it's not great. There are some good players in here that I think, I think, Brian, you, you've kind of felt this way the whole time. There are certain guys that we discussed tonight and in a couple weeks that if they had played normal seasons, they probably would have got significant bumps and probably help where we're rated, but it is what it is. I think um, also if you would have put any of these guys in a class with maybe one or two four stars, oh, we're in then, the then you're talking about a you're talking about a class that you you can really kind of hang your hat on a little bit. Um, even if it's not where we want to be, it's at least where we have been consistently uh, and historically. Um, so it's at least maintaining some of our better better region of recruiting, even if it's not necessarily exceeding and getting where we want to be. But right now we're treading water. We're, we're, we're treading water. Um, <laughs> we're not, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, in the top five in the ACC, like we're used to in terms of recruiting, but we're also not no, in yeah. the very bottom or the bottom three or four, like we were, um, in 2020. I know some of that obviously was based on uh, size of the class, mm-hmm. but it, that, that's the rankings are the rankings. We can't change that. So well, that's what it was. Um, but we had a, we had 10 guys that enrolled early um, enrolled in January. So we're going to, we're going to hit those guys today and kind of talk about them a little bit. And then we got five guys that I've kind of just, I pulled out as kind of guys I think could be or probably the higher profile players in the class that aren't already on campus. Exactly. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to 
Paul introduced the player rating, all that stuff. And then I'm going to ask Brian three questions and he's going to answer them. Questions are going to be the same throughout. All right. So let's start, Brian, with the easiest and most notable uh, early enrollee. That's Jack Hollyfield, Dax's little brother. The six foot three, 225 pound Shelby High School, Shelby, North Carolina, listed tight end slash inside linebacker. Apparently, we want him as a tight end, but that's no guarantee. Um, three star, um, 87, you know, top 35 is. Rated as an inside linebacker, um, you know, offers from as well as Tech. You know, he had some offers from uh, Michigan, App State, Maryland. So, Brian, my first question that I'll ask each time is, what is going to be Jack Hollyfield's 2021 role on this team? I think he's going to be a really good scout team player. <laughs> wow, not even – no special teams? I think he could see some special teams. I think um, just based on his athleticism, he might crack some special teams. Um, but he, I mean, he's a he's a good player. I think he brings versatility to the uh, the forefront, which we have really highlighted in our more, more recent classes, is trying to get players that excel at multiple positions and that we could potentially move around as needed um, to fill some of the roster holes, which is. You know, if you're not going to stack your roster properly, it's good to have versatile players where you can fill in holes as needed. Um, I'd, I'd prefer us do a better job of roster management and scouting and recruiting players um, to make sure that we don't have depth issues at certain positions. But, you know, sometimes injuries and sometimes departures create those, but we've done a poor job of roster management in general. So I feel like versatile guys, especially like Jack, uh, are going to be helpful there and on the special teams. So, yeah, probably a special teams role, but I don't think you see him um, getting very much playing time at a position, whether it's inside linebacker or tight end in 2021. All right. I'm not looking at 2022. I want to look a couple years down the road for these guys because by that time, that's when you expect him to be doing something big. What do you think his role is going to be in 2023? I think a lot of that is going to depend on what happens at linebacker this year and next year. Okay. So, um, so essentially you're saying if we screw the pooch recruiting a – if we screw the pooch recruiting – a couple good linebackers to go with someone we're going to talk about here later. EC, they're going to flip him. That's that's my feeling right now. I think more naturally he would be would fit in at tight end and what we like to do. I think he very much could have a Dalton Keene type um, role in the offense. A um, little more, uh, I think, in terms of the passing game, could be a little more more used than Dalton was. Um, but kind of a do-it-all type, jack-of-all-trades at the tight end position if if that comes to fruition. But I think if we don't do the right things at linebacker, I could see him playing defense. Got it. All right. What's his best attribute? And you can, you can do it for tight end or linebacker. Yeah. I, I, so best attribute is probably going to be his versatility. But in terms of actual tool on the field, uh, I feel like, it's going to be his ability to move in space. Um, just watching his film, he seems very natural in terms of, of, of how he moves on the field. So I feel like that's going to do well for him, whether it ends up being um, inside linebacker for us or whether it, it ends up being tight end. 
Got it. All right. We'll roll on another um, hokey brother combo. We'll look at next Jalen Strowman, the 6'1", 190-pound defensive back out of Patriot High School in Noakesville, Virginia. Three-star, 88, a top 50 safety, a top 15 player in the state of Virginia. Um, Brian, obviously, we've been talking about safety depth for the last you know few weeks here. What do you see as Jalen's potential role on the 2021 team? Here's a guy out the gate. I think he's going to have a big impact on special teams. Um, I think he's going to see some time um, probably on at least one special team grouping, if not a couple. Um, he's, he does a really good job of tackling. So I'm hoping that, uh, that we see him on, um, you know, some punt return, maybe some, uh, some punt and maybe some, uh, some kick return. So uh-huh. we'll, uh, We'll hopefully see him out there on the field in that role. We could see him as a uh, at the safety position, maybe at uh, at Rover. Does he have a chance for two deep? If 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 like everything went perfect for him, he comes in, he gains perfect, maybe two deep. But I could at least see him as being maybe a late game rotational player, somebody that we're in year one just trying to get on the field in garbage time, whether it's you know, us winning or somebody else winning, just getting him some snaps out there against live competition. I think that that's going to be what we see. So maybe not a, you know, someone you would call a role player, but definitely, you know, potential contributor out the gate. All right. Uh, 2023 role. 2023 role. I think he's definitely at least in the two deep, if not the starter at, uh, at Rover. All right. Easy enough there. What's Jalen's best attribute? When you look through this tape and look back at your notes on him, run fills. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Oaks! If you this is your first time listening, we are debating next year if Brian should do a weekly YouTube segment about terrible safety run fills. Um, yes, it is it something. If he does a good job of hanging and fitting where he needs to. Um, tackles pretty well. So, I mean, those are things right out the gate that are going to, you know, give coaches a reason to try to get him on the field as much as they can. So, but, you know, that, that's going to definitely be the attribute that uh, that coaches are talking about the most. Awesome. We'll roll on. Let's stay in the state of Virginia and go to Jalen Jones, the wide receiver, 6'1", 185, out of Thomas Jefferson, down in the RVA. Three-star, 88, top 100 receiver. Uh, ranked 16th in the state of Virginia. Um, didn't get to play this year, which I hate for him. Um, especially what they were doing down at TGA. They were, that, that guy was really building it and Jalen was just falling. Yep. What's, what can, could Jalen see any field time for 2021? You know, a lot of that's going to depend on what guys on our roster step up. Um, transfer out like Evan Fares did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we've got uh, you know a bunch of guys, a couple guys that came in last class that you know had their red shirt year. I'm using air quotes here because it didn't really count. Um, so you know, guys like Tyree might end up taking some steps and make be a, a role player for us uh, for 21. So if things like that happen, Payute comes back and is healthy and playing well, we may not see a whole lot of Jalen, but if a couple of those guys either don't take steps or not where they need to be or aren't healthy, um, you know, I could potentially see in Jalen getting um, 
probably not any heavy snap count, but a, enough snap count to, you know, to talk about. Um, but more than likely, he's going to be a special team contributor in uh, in year one. I got you. Um, kind of going back to when we were discussing him this summer when he committed, 2023 role, is he going to be the why? Is that going to be his kind of top end? I think so. Um, you know, I, I think the way he runs routes is going to going to help him. Um, and I think that and some of the, the, the other things he does well with his hands, that could be the role for him long term. Um, but I think definitely by, by 23, he's a guy that's seeing a significant snap count um, and, and, and doing some good things for us. All right. I, I'm going to just guess, and you tell me if I'm wrong or right, his best attribute is those hands, or do you think it's something else? I, I'd say probably his route running. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I think he runs some pretty good routes. Um, he needs to probably develop a little bit more in terms of the full tree, but the routes that he runs, he runs, he runs damn well. So when you say runs well, you, you, he doesn't round. He's crisp. He makes his cuts where I think I think this weekend they more receivers got lambasted for rounding their routes than I've ever heard like rounding the route out. So he basically, if you ask him to go run a square end, he's not going to round it. He's going to get there. He's going to get to his spot and he's going to make that cut. Yeah, he's, he's got good fundamentals within the the areas that he does well. They haven't really flexed him a whole lot in terms of the the route tree, but the, the routes they give him consistently, he runs very well. All right. Well, let's go down to Texas to VT for our next guy, D. Wayne Lofton, wide receiver out of Northside High School in Fort Worth, Texas, 5'10", 175, three-star, considered an athlete, a top 60 athlete, um, held 23 total offers, including Colorado is one of his big ones, along with um, Indiana, Louisville, Mississippi State, and obviously TCU, who were fighting there at the end for him. Um, he was All-State Texas 5A, and he was essentially his district's player of the year. Where do you see Dwayne Lofton fitting into the 2021 Hokies? You know, that's the one that I've been struggling with a little bit because I feel like if if we're going to see – a receiver kind of pop and get a significant snap count in year one, this might be the guy, but it's going to be a lot of different factors that play in there. So in terms of comfort with that statement, I feel more comfortable saying much like Jalen Jones going to be a uh, heavy special teams contributor before I would say he's going to necessarily crack the three deep at wide receiver. Um, But with that all being said, um, you know, there's potential for him to, um, like I said, with with Jalen, if there's a couple areas where where folks aren't quite there, he could he could sneak in there. I mean, he's another guy that's versatile. I mean, they they did line him up you know, in the backfield sometimes um, in that offense, so he can do a little bit of everything. All right. Um. So just the way you're talking about him here, I'm guessing 2023. If he's not on the field every snap, you're going to be shocked. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that's going to have to be one of those folks that takes some big steps for us and gets on the field. I'm I'm hoping at least playing in the slot, if not outside for us by the time uh, 2023 rolls around, because he's got a lot of talent, 
good hands, high pointing the ball, um, you know, catching on the run, uh, making big plays with the ball in his hands. Um, so if, if he's not doing what similar to what maybe a, uh, a Tavion Robinson is doing now in by 2023, then, then we've probably dropped the ball there. Hmm. All right. You've mentioned a lot of his skill sets. What do you think is the best of those attributes? Other than his versatility and being able to line up really at any receiver position and in the backfield, um, he's got good hands and high points the ball well uh, when he's got tight coverage on him. So I think those attributes will play well just because that means he can truly do a lot of different things. Um, he's he's not taken out just because you've got a man you know, running stride for stride with him. All right. All right. Let's move back over to the Mid-Atlantic and let's take a look at Mike Johnson, the athlete out of West Florence in Florence, South Carolina, 5'11", 180 pounds. Three star, um, 86 by 247. Um, held offers from Louisville, Mississippi State, NC State as well. Um, I guess 2021, where do you, I mean, since he's considered an athlete, where do you see him probably finding his footing at as much as getting on a chance to get on the field? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I could see him maybe eventually slotting in as kind of a uh, kind of a nickel corner uh, type role for us, if not there, uh, you know, potentially moving out to uh, boundary safety rover. Um, but I, th- I think hopefully nickel corner is where he's going to you know, you know, find his footing. Um, you know, 5'11", 180 probably still needs a little bit more size for that role. But uh, hopefully long term he will be able to grow into that and uh, and become that for us. But initially out the gate, um, probably scout team to special teams contributor um, for Nike in, uh, in, in 2021. All right. So you kind of laid it out there that you, you kind of see him as in between maybe a safety or a nickel type position. I mean, is, I mean, do you see him being a starter in 2023 or is he is going to be more depth than anything? I think he's going to be depth by then. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the development factor there and if he's able to put, put the weight on, keep the speed and, and kind of learn the system and, and, and climb the ladder there. Um, but I, I definitely see him as a, as a potential contributor by 2023, but I don't think we're going to crack the starting lineup um, in, unless either he projects higher than we anticipate or something goes horrendously wrong in terms of our <laughs> handling of the roster. <laughs> oh, the way everything went lately, that could happen. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath on it. All yeah, right. we're, and we're and we're not knocking Nike here. That that's not a no. you know, your your average recruit in a given class is going to have this type of grade. Yeah. Um, so no knock here at all. Attribute for him. Um, there's not a ton of tape out there for him. So looking at some of the things I did find, I think he does a good job um, tackling, which is the the big thing that I saw from him. Um, that I think will translate well. I didn't give a whole lot of tape to see from him, mostly just like little clips here and there um, that I was able to find. But uh, what I found that seemed to be the thing that stood out for me in terms of being able to tackle for a, for a player his size. All right. All right, let's roll along and let's go up to Jersey, take a look at Jalen Hoyle, the three-star out of Dwight Morrow High School in Inglewood, New Jersey, listed as a six foot one eighty safety. Um, guy who also held offers from West Virginia and Georgia Tech. 
Uh, where do you see him landing in 2021, Ron? I, I think much like some of the other guys we've talked about, this is going to be scout team to a fringe uh, special teams role. Um, I think the fact that he's playing safety and then projected to play safety may end up maybe fast-tracking him a little bit more um, at potentially that boundary safety position or, or, or free safety, depending on, you know, how that, how that matchup goes. But um, in terms of 2021, I just think because of some of the other guys we're bringing in, in the transfer portal and, uh, and where I think Stroman is in terms of a guy that's coming in, I think he's probably behind him at the safety position. So uh, probably not quite cracking that uh, in any sort of role that would give him significant snaps in 2021. All right, so 2023 depth. Um, I mean, based off what you're seeing now and other people, I mean, is 2023 his best too deep? Yeah, because I think he he has more potential to play the the free safety role than Strowman, so I think he might end up sliding in there. Um, he does a good job of tracking the ball when it's in the air and, and making some big hits at the point of the catch, um, which kind of goes into your next question. What's his best attribute? That's what he does the best. Hey, yeah. it? <laughs> Sorry, not, not trying to bury the lead here, but. <laughs> yeah, that's what he called it. Beautiful. <laughs> and clearly Brian has discussed what his best attribute is, folks, right there. So we may move on to our next quote. Which is from the 757 EC at of Cox High School down in Virginia Beach, 6'3, 205 inside linebacker, uh, three star 84 rating. Um, you know, is he had a total of 12 offers, you know, all around? Looked at NC State, Bandy, UVA, Wake Forest, and West Virginia. Um, also had some inter- peak inventors from Wisconsin. Um, I immediately see six three two oh five. I mean, unless he has gained a ton of weight since the last time he was weighed, or he can gain a ton of weight. I mean, I'm assuming not even cracking the two deep, right? Not year one, no. Um, definitely not year one. I think he's he, he got the potential to be a special teams contributor. Um, obviously, heavy scout team role for him. Um, I think our two deep is going to be pretty solid unless, you know, he comes in and just, you know, completely knocks the socks off of folks and does some things that, that we're not, you know, seeing out the gate or seeing based on his size there. But, eh, you know, who knows? But I, I think, you know, more than likely it's going to be a special teams role and a, and a heavy scout team um, rotation for uh, for EC there. All right. I'm taking a look at this and kind of knowing the depth chart about linebacker because it's one of those having real jacks and all these guys. Two years from now, he needs to be 2023. He needs to be our backup Mike Kishon, right? Needs to be. Like, if he does it, we are in deep shit depth-wise at linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he needs he needs to be the guy, um, at least in one of the linebacker roles, but pr- – preferably the inside linebacker role. He hopefully he's somewhere around 225, 230. Yeah. 6'3 frame. Great frame. Yeah. And and he moves well uh sideline to sideline. So that's going to be the thing that is that I see out the gate that that he's going to do well. Um so that's definitely his best attribute is the ability to kind of move sideline to sideline. So he runs pretty well. 
Um, I'm hoping that he can get some more size on him so he's able to take on those uh, guards and centers and double teams that he's going to get at that inside position. All right, Brian. Um, You almost said it there. I feel like just the way he's built, do you think that's his best attribute, or is it something stuff you've seen on the field? Yeah, definitely his ability to kind of run sideline to sideline, which is going to be necessary, I think, in kind of what we're doing now. in terms of the, the, the scheme that Jay Ham has. So hopefully that's going to translate. And like I said, hopefully he gets enough size in there where he's not going to be neutralized at the point of attack. All right. Obviously coming down from seven, five, you know, he's definitely played some good competition, but you know, as always, you know, it's going to be a step up as you get into the collegiate level. All right, Brian, next person I want to look at is sort of an under-the-radar guy. Only other offer he had was from Charlotte that we kind of know of. Um, Jared Gibble, 6'4", 225, tight end out of Oak Grove High School, down in the 336 Winston-Salem. Um, we, uh, you know, low-rated, but feels like a good build. Does he have any chance to see the field any in 2021? I think he can do stuff with special teams. He's got a decent amount of athleticism um, coming out the gate, good size. Uh, So I think that alone is potentially going to give him maybe some chance to get on a single special team, get some reps up there, even if it's not the front line guys. Um, But yeah, in in terms of of 2021, outside of maybe some, some spot duty on special teams, I don't see a whole lot of contribution out the gate. All right. Um, I'm trying to think here how our, you know, how our depth looks right now at tight end. Obviously, Big Stone Gap comes back. Big Stone Gap comes and has a good season. He's going to be going in the first 50 picks of the NFL draft next year. Yeah. I have a question about that. Um, you've got Gallo, who has definitely his set role. But I feel like I think Gibble, I think Gallo, I feel like they're probably doing the similar type stuff. So, I think Gallo has a couple more years of eligibility is essentially he, is he waiting for Gallo to leave by 2023? Yeah, that's probably, that's probably his chance of having a significant role on the team is having Gallo out by 2023. Um, he'll, he'll probably crack the two deep at that point. Um, and I think that's going to be, that's going to be good for him. He's not a guy that we recruited as to be a guy that's going to be frontline talent at the position. So hopefully there's somebody else in the pipeline that we're bringing in, to kind of backfill as well. Um, we're hoping Jack gets to play tight end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the hope. But if not, <laughs> um, yeah, so this is kind of an insurance policy on that um, and hoping that, you know, we, we get some, some solid talent from uh, from some, somewhere else that fill out the, uh, the, the three deep rotation that we tend to go to. Um for most of these guys. So usually we have three tight ends that are are heavy contributors for us, even if they, they're not necessarily getting targets in the passing game. Yeah. Nick Gallo is a red shirt sophomore this year. So he technically has three years. He'd be a red shirt senior in 2023. Um, What is he, what, what, again, what's the best attribute to give? What's the one thing he did on tape or you just see from his body that you say that's like, if he can take that and put that to the, the 10th power he's going to do great things kid can block like a tackle Woo! yeah so i mean you know 
I don't know if we're talking about like you know Dwayne Brown here, but <laughs> Brian, are you just saying if he comes in at two forty, somebody might say, "Son, you fifty pounds off." <laughs> I mean, he blocks really well. That, that, that's one thing I see. He blocks like a tackle in the running game, keeps a good good center of gravity with his drive blocks, with his reach blocks, um, puts guys to the turf. So, I mean, that's what you like to see from a tight end. Um, so that might get, that might be the thing that gets him on the field in 2023, uh, even if he's not one of those first or second line guys. You know, there's going to be packages where we have multiple tight ends out there, and if we're running the ball, he might be one of those guys. Awesome. All right, let's move on to the guy who came the furthest to be on campus. And to me, it's amazing he got early enrolled. It's amazing he's on campus. Yeah, all things considered with COVID, it's, the fact he's there is – He's a winner. Like, yeah. Yo, Militech, the German, the 6'3", 290-pound, uh, three-star guard out of, you know, out of Germany – the one thing, Brian, you said immediately to me when you saw that pick online was his size. Like, yeah. he really is 290. Um, I mean, I'm going to assume that 2021, he's not, well, shit, I don't know. As bad as we are at guard depth right now. <laughs> I mean, we're not, I'd say we're hurting more at tackle than we are at guard just because I think. Hanson probably is more naturally fit at guard, even though he can play tackle. Um, that's why I would have preferred. Of the two losses, I feel like the Nestor loss is 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 worse because Nestor could play both, but probably play could play tackle even better than he was playing at guard, um, especially long term with some of the areas we have um, need wise. But the thing I like, um, I don't necessarily know that there's a role for him on this team in 2021. Um, so he's again, I, I think at this point he's just, I'm happy that he's here and I'm happy that he's going to be additional depth in a just in case scenario, <laughs> but oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping we don't get to that. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, Brian, you know, obviously he was brought to us by uh, Paul Alexander, longtime NFL O-line coach, who essentially you feel like he's just getting paid by people to go overseas to countries and, hey, find kids playing football. Could he crack too deep two years from now? What you see Uh on? There's potential. I mean, he's definitely a guard. There's no moving him to tackle, none of that. Uh, just looking at the, his footwork, his frame, and the weight, some of the tape, he's definitely a guard. He plays like a guard. Um, his pass pro and his, his step and his set are, are very guard-like. I don't think he has the set and speed to play a tackle at the Power 5 level. Um, but can be perfectly good at, as a guard at this level because he can move laterally in a, in a pull scenario, but just getting out of his stance and the, and the kick that he would need in that set is just not quite there um, for a tackle. But I can see him being too deep in 2023, maybe three deep. Um, 
I don't necessarily think he's he's a guy that's going to be a frontline player for us unless something changes. But good depth, good guy that you can maybe plug in in, in a need scenario. I hear you. Um, best attribute just having the body, like already, like yeah, day yeah. One. not having to do a whole lot in terms of of, of adding size. It's we're, we're talking about more refining what's there than it is adding to it. So I think that's the big thing for him is that, you know, you throw 10 pounds of muscle on there and, you know, define things up a little bit and you're, you're rolling. All right. All right. Let's take a look next at Deshaun Elder, the safety, <coughs> excuse me, safety out of Fork Union. Um, Six one, two hundred pounds. Uh, no real rating, but I, I see that build, and I'm automatically thinking with a year at Fork Union. Even though probably didn't get to play this year, just getting that development probably makes him a guy who could jump special teams day one. Yeah, you might see him special teams day one. I don't know if you're going to see him in a role where he would lose a red shirt over getting him on the field. Okay. Um, but again, he's at a another position where we need some depth. So there's always a outside chance, just like this year with, you know, Keonta Jenkins having to get in there um, on a significant amount of uh, games and snaps for us when he was healthy. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the situation for us this year, even with some of the depth issues. I think he's going to definitely be kind of a redshirt type player, potential seeing some special teams roles, even if it's only, you know, a set number of games, so we can still keep that red shirt on him. Um, but long-term, I think, might look a little better. We'll see. All right. Um, 2023, obviously, we've mentioned quite a few safeties in this class. You know, what do you feel? I mean, his best-case scenario, too deep? Probably best-case scenario, too deep, yeah. I mean, I think he could play the free – um, maybe a little bit better than he would play the the boundary safety or the rover, but um, he's got good ball skills. Just looking at some of his tape, he does a good job of getting to where the ball is. Um, and uh, when he gets interceptions, he does a good job of, of having some vision to take those back. So he takes a, a good play and makes it a great play. So that's something that, you know, as Hokie fans, we like to see because we love seeing those defensive touchdowns. Let's go ahead and write this down. Attribute. When he makes the plays, he makes it big. Yep. <laughs> so we'll move on to our next guy. Now, that is all 10 of the guys that have enrolled. They are on campus. They are taking classes. They are doing the weight program. The next few guys are some of our higher-end guys that I think, Brian, probably one of the biggest reasons you pulled them is they potentially have a chance to make more impact year one. Let's start. Highest-rated guy in the class, DJ Harvey. The 511, 165 pound corner out of Sierra Canyon in Chatsworth, California, four star, um, you know, 20 plus offers, including Arizona, Arizona State, Auburn, LSU, Nebraska, Notre Dame. Um, Brian, for DJ Harvey, 2021, can he see the field in significant, a significant role? I think yes, and there's several reasons I'm going to say this. Um, I'm going to start with the first one. Um, punt returner and kick returner. 
Some bitch can do it. What do we struggle with <laughs> a lot <laughs> this season? Punt more than kick, but punt more than kick. And we had probably one of the better, but we lost one the, of those guys to uh, to the draft now. But yeah. uh, one of our better kick return years. But now we don't have uh, Herbert anymore. Cool. This guy returns punts, returns kicks, uh, plays wide receiver at a borderline power five level and is a definite power five cornerback. So the versatility and the ability to play special teams out the gate is going to mean he's going to have a chance to get on the field. All right. I think he would probably have more of a chance in a special teams role or potentially even uh, cracking the, 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 the two or three deep at the, uh, the cornerback spot but potentially seeing some snaps on the offensive side just to, to mix things up. He's definitely a, a cornerback uh, meeting room guy. He's not a guy that's going to be, um, you know, <laughs> sitting in on wide receiver meetings or anything like that, but definitely the potential there. If, if you wanted to, to use him as a, as a gadget or a trick play every now and then. All right. 2023. Should he be a starter? If he's not a starter, then we probably, got a bad evaluation on this guy, but I don't think that's the case. I really like his tape. Um, like I said, I like his versatility. He is a athlete with a capital A and he's a playmaker with a capital P. All right. What's the, <laughs> what's the attribute that you saw in those tapes that just jumped out that said, this is why he can get on the field early, but by 2023 he can be playing potentially the boundary corner type position. Ball hawk and the ability to recover when he gets a bad read. I love that. I love the second more than the first because when you hear ability to recover, it means you don't have to be perfect. And how many times have we seen, especially the last few years, corners aren't perfect, get beat, game over, versus we go back to our younger days with guys like D. Hall, Flowers, Kendall Fuller, Brandon, or Brandon face on. They got beat, but when they recovered, that hand got in there and they tipped it. Yeah. Sure. For you, Brian, coaching and seeing, and especially on offense, like, oh, he beat the guy. He recovered and he tipped it. It's like deflating. Exactly, man. And, and that's what I like the most about him is that he's not a guy that just because he loses a step or he, you know, rotated his hips a little bit too late or too early, he's going to give up on the play. I mean, he's still going to try to get there. Got the speed to recover. Got the ability to know, well, okay, well, I, I missed here, but I see what he's doing now. He gets to the spot he needs to get to and and has those skills to really still make the play even when he's not um, you know, in position in the first five, ten yards of the route. Yeah. The only thing I wish, I wish he was on campus to go ahead and start Size. Size. <laughs> Harvey, if you're listening, you follow us on Twitter. Let him eat. Buy him steak. <laughs> protein, protein, protein. Keep, keep it lean. <laughs> keep him running, but get them calories up. <laughs> can I say this? Because the way you describe him, if he was on campus and in between January and the end of summer, he could gain 15 or 20 pounds, and he was playing 180, 185. The way you talk about his skills, 
he would be one of those guys pushing for a two deep position quick. Now, again, maybe the thing is he shows up in June. Oh crap, he waited in at 180. Yeah. Oh shit. All right. Now the next guy essentially has no weight issues. Kenji Christensen, the running back out of Pinson Valley, Alabama, 6'2", 200 pounds, three-star overall. Um, held offers also from Arkansas and Duke. Um, he ain't got no size problems. No, he does. He does not have any size problems. And the only thing potentially keeping him from having at least some role coming in this year is the fact that we have like 30 running backs on our roster. Nobody's transferred out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, just his size, I mean, you could see him end up special teams role, but just because of the sheer amount of running backs we have, a red shirt is probably the best thing for him. Only because we don't want to keep stacking guys with, with limiting eligibility as we're going forward. Unless for whatever reason, he's like three deep talent out the gate. Yeah. Um, if he can stay until 2023, because again, we have 6,000 running backs. Um, I mean, do you see him as sort of the big back of this offense? If this is the offense in two years, I think he's definitely a two deep guy. I mean, he's got kind of like some Khalil Herbert like attributes. Okay. Um, the the way he moves and the way he kind of gets to the second level and can turn a a good play into a great play. So, okay, I like those attributes. And if he's able to maintain his speed, keep his size where it is, um, you know that that could be the type of role he has. Um, I don't think necessarily the he's quite got that upside. Although we didn't think that Herbert had that upside when he came in this no. year either. So, who can tell? Who can tell? Even the experts had, didn't see that coming. I don't even know if the guys that brought him in from Kansas saw <laughs> that as much. I mean, rumor is that they had to, you know, so, somebody put them on him. Like that wasn't a scout that we did. Somebody said, hey, this guy's in the portal and he's even better than the guy that, um, you know, who, who got the starting role there at Kansas. So hey, man. who's to say? Who's <laughs> to say? But I, I, th- I think I like him a lot. He's probably. Other than than Harvey, probably the guy I like the most in this class. Okay. Um, especially in terms of guy, probably the guy I like the most on the offensive side, no doubt. All right. Well, we're going to look at three more guys here before we close out shop. Um, all in the trenches. Let's start with Matthias Stretch Carroll out of Gilman up in Baltimore, Maryland. 6'3", 220. Three-star 86 rated overall. Um, wish he would have came down. Um, but you know, again, it's a crazy year and you don't know how many guys they can take in, but, um, after seeing Robert Wooten get a lot of play, does he have a chance to get rotational, especially with the way Bill Terrell, Nick likes to rotate his guys? Um, I don't think we necessarily see him get rotation out of the gate. Um, He's going to be kind of fringe there to me. Okay. I like his athleticism and I like the way um, the way he works on the field. Um, I, we talked about it a lot. This guy's a uh, a wrestler as well, um, and some of that shows up on the field. 
um, some of that, you know, that, that work ethic and the way he keeps going in the motor. Um, but I could see him definitely maybe hitting some of the special teams potentially, but I don't quite like him um, kind of cracking the two deep unless he comes on campus and makes some noise um, with just the fall camp, not having the spring. All right. Um, 2023. Uh, I definitely think he's a 2D player by 2023. Um, I'm hoping that he's probably a frontline player by 2023. You're one of those guys you see, especially. I think he's got intangible. He's got the intangibles that I like to see play that position. He's also versatile where, um, you know, they'll stand him up outside and have him rush the edge as well. Um, as having his hand in the dirt. So he's got that ability as well. So I think guys like that find their way on the field and just seeing how he acts on Twitter and things like that, his leadership and um, those type of things are attributes that are already standing out to me. There you go. The attribute questions answered there. The other thing I really like about him was his wrestling background. And that's usually a lot of times you see guys, you hear about guys getting on the field quick because they have that sort of background because, you know, what's the one thing you need, you think, on special teams? You need a good tackler. Usually you bring a wrestling guy in. They're going to get guys down quick. They understand Uh, leverage. They understand fit. They understand all that shit. And they also have motor for days. Now, the one thing I'm happy about him and the next guy we discuss is they're already in the upper, in the 220s, 230s. So what the hope is, is they get in to the weight program, get into the nutrition program is it's a lot easier for them to get to that 245, 250, where, you know, they can play every down. Yep. Speaking of the next guy, Cole Nelson, defensive end out of Johns Creek down in Alpharetta, Georgia, three-star guy, um, also held offers from Boston College and App State. Um what, what do you think of Cole? What, if I compared you to Cole to stretch, who do you think sees more game loss this year? I'd probably say stretch, even though I think Cole's probably body-wise maybe a little bit more ready for prime time. Okay. Um, just because I think Cole has the potential to slide down into a three technique. Okay. In, in a pinch, in a pinch. Um, okay. Played a lot of uh, DN in a, in a three, uh, three-man front in high school. So, you know, he's got the ability to carry um, some double teams and things like that that are, that are more typical to some of the inside the, uh, defenders there. Um, I like him. Um, I, I still think he's probably going to be redshirting in 21. Um, I don't think he's quite going to be ready for prime time. Um, maybe gets in on some special teams, um, especially in the four game uh, stretch there that uh, that they can get before the red shirt comes into play. But um, I like his I like his long term prognosis better than his immediate return there. Well, saying long term, but then mention a few other things you said. I mean, are you thinking 2023 he's fighting for the two deep or he's solidly in it? I'd say probably fighting for too deep, but I, I could see him easily being in there as well. Um, he's got, like you said, he's got good size out of the gate. That's what we're looking for. If tier link is still here in 2023, um, you know, that that's obviously the hope for, 
for anybody here, but if, if Tierlink is still here, you know he likes to rotate. You know he likes to get other lines in there. He likes to mix and match lines from time to time. So I could definitely see him being a guy that's a heavy rotational player by 2023. All right. Last piece tonight, Brian. Let's take a look at the offensive guard, Bryce Goodner, potentially center, the three-star out of McMinn High School in Athens, Tennessee. Um, you know, guy that held a ton of offers, 27, including to some of the Ivy League. So, obviously, he's got a great, you know, academic head on his shoulders. Um, 6'3", 300 pounds already. Uh, I wish, again, with the guard depth, I wish he was already here so we could start looking at him, but unfortunately he's not. Um, I'm assuming you're thinking pure red shirt for him while he learned for me. Pure, pure red shirt, it, only because if he was coming in spring, I could say, you know, maybe he has an impact. Maybe he's at least a guy that's kind of, you know, fringe three deep that can potentially sub in if need be, if, if we get thin it for whatever reason. Um, but not having the spring, I think he's definitely going to have a full red shirt um, this year. But if I'm thinking past 2021 up to 2023, I can see him at least being a two deep player. All right. Um, he does a lot of things well, um, particularly in the run game. He, he's, he's nasty. He gets guys to the dirt. Um, he pulls a lot in his high school system. And when he gets out there, he does a good job. So Brian, what about the attribute? I mean, is it just having the right size? I think it's the size, but I also think his ability to move as an offensive lineman is pretty good for that size. I think that's the, the, the biggest piece here is that it's not just he's a big guy, but he's a big guy that can still still move around, deliver a blow, get guys to the ground. Like I said, I love watching this guy pull and deliver a blow. Um, having that size and the ability to do that right out the gate is going to be a, a big attribute for him. Awesome. All right, well, that is going to wrap up this section of our uh, reviewing of the recruiting class. Um, again, two weeks from now, we're going to come back with the remainder. If we add any additional players, we're going to hit them up. Uh, Brian, has anything broke over the last little while? I haven't seen anything official about uh, good old Daryl Tapp here. So right now it's still a – Pending to the 49ers, hopefully we'll see something turn in our favor, although it's not looking promising. No, not looking promising at all. But the only thing that's looked promising, well, he hasn't touched Twitter in eight hours. He hasn't liked anything in eight hours. Um, and he hasn't tweeted or retweeted in a couple of days here. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, whatever happens, best of luck to Daryl. Daryl's an awesome human being. Um, we want nothing but the best for him. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We always let our buddy Jason Long play us in and out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.